Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. It's been a little while, but welcome back to the Network Show. I'm Alex Christensen, and joining me as always from the other side of the country, looking pretty, you know, a little rough there, but there's some more hair on top of your head there spread. I don't know if, like, you got something going on there. Did you sign up for, like, hymns or keeps or something? But it's honestly the first time I've ever seen you with messed up hair. How's it going, bud? Oh, yeah, it is. I just, I just woke up, but I'm excited to get this done. You know, it's still early. I was complaining to Jorge I couldn't use the natural light today because it's so early. But I am so excited to be back talking some tennis with you guys. And I've been doing a little more tennis content this year, so uh, I can't wait to really break these down. And joining, as always, from the north of the border, keeping things under control there in crazy Canada. How are things north of the border? Is everything fine? It seems like it's fine, other than you guys not wanting NBA players to come visit. Cold. <laughs> it is cold. It is minus 22 degrees today now. Uh, for those of you in America, that is, I think, minus 7 or 8 uh, yeah, degrees. Uh, it is. It is. Yeah, it's cold. It's cold. <laughs> like, Let's... Let's think about something warm. We'll go down under. Australian <laughs> Open's here. It's honestly one of my favorite parts about tennis. I can't think of any other sport that has a marquee competition the third week of the season. <laughs> We've had a pretty good start. A couple events in Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney. But let's jump into the men's draw, where we'll just take a second and mention that neither one of us has any idea whether <laughs> Novak Djokovic is going to play tennis. At the time of recording this, he has a court date the day before his match. He's supposed to play Monday. He'll be in court on Sunday. Maybe something will get passed, but at some point on Monday, I guess the tournament's going to have to make a decision to slide Rublev up into his spot and keep things going or let him in. As of now, his name's in the draw. This whole thing has just been an absolute mess. John, I can see you. You're giggling. Do you have something you want to say? I know we didn't really want to get into this, but I'll give you like a minute here. Go ahead. They're all idiots. The government overruling a court of law, idiots. <laughs> Tennis Australia misleading Djokovic, idiots. Djokovic and his team fudging paperwork and going out after a PCR test in public, idiots. You're all idiots. That's that. Now, let's get into the draw here again. <laughs> We're going to assume that Novak Djokovic is going to be here. He's up there at the one spot again. It might be Rublev, but you look through this first quarter. Again, it's going to be jo Novak or Rublev there at the top. We've got Berrettini at the bottom here. And... You know, again, I'm not the greatest men's tennis handicapper in the world, but no real major names stand out to me. Some kind of fun matches here. Curious to see what Garen can do. Um, what kind of an easy draw on courts that maybe he doesn't necessarily great at. That first round match between Corda and Nori looks really fun. And, you know, as much as I like Berrettini here, he's got Nakashima there in the first round. So kind of some interesting matches overall. Um, you know, I'll start with you here, John. How do you see this first quarter shaking out? Well, I believe Berrettini also has, even if he gets by Nakashima, which he probably should, but it's no guarantee. Does he have like Alcaraz potentially in the third round too? I mean, yeah, Alcaraz in the third. If there's one guy cheering for Djokovic not to be in this draw, it's, it's probably Matteo <laughs> Berrettini. I mean, to go through potentially Nakashima and Alcaraz in the first week, only if you were to win those and get through the fourth round, only to see Djokovic in the quarters, the one guy who could neutralize that serve, uh, not ideal. Uh, put it that way. But I mean, if Rublev was there, he'd have a much better chance. Obviously, Rublev, the complete opposite of Djokovic in terms of the backhand isn't as solid. The rally tolerance isn't there. Much more ideal matchup for him. So it's kind of, this is a big wait and see moment for Matteo Berrettini. I don't think he's in that upper tier of uh, uh, contenders anyway. I think Zverev came up with that new big three uh, that mm -hmm. caused controversy on tennis Twitter, who likes to stir up drama over everything in the offseason. But in this, in this tournament, I would say he's accurate. I would say there are three guys who are legit contenders to win this. Then there's a couple like Rublev or Berrettini who may pay, play spoiler to one of them along the way. But I don't think either of those two guys has the ability to 
you know, beat each other, then beat Zverev, then beat Medvedev back to back to back. Yeah, it is one of the themes, and we'll talk maybe a little bit more about it when we get to the second quarter. The top half of this draw in general is loaded. I mean, just about every contender except for the number two seed, Medvedev, seems to be stuck up here in the top half. Spread, what were you thinking when you saw this first quarter? Um, anything stick out to you? Any kind of fun matches you're looking forward to watching? We know you've been uh, watching a little more, more men's tennis lately. Yes, I have. And, you know, it, it's definitely uh, been enjoyable. I definitely want to talk to you and, and get your thoughts. If Berrettini does play Alcaraz, I mean, you know, we had talked about what a great outright that was uh, earlier in the week, Alex. Uh, but boy, <laughs> I think we, we did get shafted by the draw here a little bit. Uh, I, actually, John, I'd love to start with you, too. Uh, how do you think that that match would play out, uh, especially on the quicker surface down there, down under? I feel like that is a match that the longer it goes on, the more Alcaraz could work into it. I think at first he he might have a few struggles getting, especially if Berrettini is, you know, knocking those first serves in at a high clip. It's going to be really tough for him to kind of get used to, one, the pace of the serve, two, how it's, you know, the emphasis placed uh, onto that by the quicker courts. I think as that goes on, though, he is a solid returner. He does make, for a young kid, he's able to make in-match adjustments, which is impressive because there are plenty of players in their early to mid to late 20s that still can't freaking do it. Um, so I think that as the match wears on, we'll see him work his way into it more. I think it'll probably be actually lined relatively closely. I think Alcaraz gets a lot of love in the markets, but I don't know if he'll be getting as much love as he typically does in that particular matchup. I'm really anxious to see uh, if it does come to fruition, uh, what, what that line would be. I don't even know. I'd probably have it in the three and a half to four range. Um, it might be even tighter than that though. Alex, what were your thoughts when you saw him there, right? Because I didn't think that was a favorable draw there. That was kind of a rough one there for our guy Berrettini. In general, it was tough for future outrights. We'll talk about the women's side a little bit more. I didn't, I've got an Anna Smova ticket that isn't necessarily worthless, but sure isn't as good looking as I thought it would be. I think a lot of this, again, and I hate to circle back to this, comes down to we'll see what happens with Djokovic. I mean, obviously, I don't love that Berrettini's got to play Nakashima, that he's got to play Alcaraz, but when it comes to Grand Slam tennis, there's something about having had that experience of playing best of five. It, it, I don't think that, I mean, no example pops into mind of, a young man who's coming to a Grand Slam, maybe his first, second, or third Grand Slam, and made a long run. I think it takes some time to build up you know, the mental strength to really understand what it takes to win best of five tennis. And I think that's really the biggest advantage Berrettini has over, honestly, everybody in his little section here. So with that serve, if he can kind of keep that going, his mental advantage, again, having you know made deep runs in several Grand Slams now at this point, I think that he has a great chance to make it to the quarterfinals. And then it really comes down to whether or not Novak is there. And if Novak's there... You know, you get him in the quarterfinals. We've talked about it a bunch of times. You'd rather get Novak earlier than late. If Novak's not there, he cruises in, I think, to the semifinals and faces, you know, the winner of quarter two, which won't be terribly easy. But, yes, Brad, I'd much rather him down in the third yeah. or fourth quarter, far away from this mess. If no Novak is there, how do you think this opens up for Tommy Paul? He's been playing pretty well lately. And if he's not there, do you think he can make a little run here? Or am I overrating him because he's an American? I have him on upset alert as okay. early as potentially – the first round. Uh, I, you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, Mikhail Kukushkin has been absolute, I'll say dog water. Um, that's an expression I've learned from some young people in group chats. Apparently dog water means someone's awful. Um, but instead of using a, an expletive, the last couple of years, I understand that. But if you take a look at this year, uh, he he's always thrived on the lower bouncing quicker surfaces. Like grass was always where kind of, he was one of those guys that enjoyed grass season as opposed to surviving grass season. And now to start the year, he's got, he's picked up a 
few decent wins at challenger level, especially on quicker hard courts against some, some servers. Comes through qualies here. I believe he beat Ernesto Escobedo, if I'm not mistaken, who had been in great form. Of course, I think he won the challenger leading in and then won a couple of qualies matches as well. So some good form for Kakushkin on a surface he should be comfortable on. And I don't know if Tommy Paul has the weapons uh, to hit through him because he's, he can also play with rally tolerance. I think that's a really interesting spot. Uh, and the pricing is still reflecting, you know, his 2020, 2021 seasons versus perhaps his early form built into 2022. So I actually have Tommy Paul on upset alert rather early. What do you think, um, You know, Tommy Paul is pretty solid. Again, as I just mentioned, I hesitate to trust guys that haven't made runs in Grand Slams before. But again, you look at the section here, Sinego, Query, Sang, Ott, Tommy Paul, Kukushkin, again, Djokovic and Kekmanovic. If, if Tommy Paul can make it past the qualifier, which is always tough. I mean, this is a great time of year to back qualifiers. Um, I think it'll be interesting to watch him play Novak, especially if Novak hasn't had too much chance to practice. I think he definitely has a chance to maybe steal a set there. I think I'm more excited to watch him than maybe excited to back him spread. All right. Sounds like a plan. Now, there was another match, John, pretty close to that Kukushkin match. I thought this was going to be Sang Young Lu or whoever that is that kept getting main draw entry from points from like three years ago. But there is another person here, and I'll do apologies to Mr. Sang. <laughs> Sang Chun Sin, I guess, is playing Oscar out here, and you and you think the German is going to just wipe the floor here, huh? Yeah, I mean, this is someone who uh, 2017, 2018, years back, was one of the best juniors in the world. In uh, he, he goes his it's like Rendy Lou, you know, his uh, that's the one you were thinking of. Um, the older guy who gets into all those tournaments on protected ranking, just like yeah, that. Yeah, he goes yeah. by he goes by Jason Sang, like they have what they call American yeah. names, I suppose. So you can call him Jason, I think you can get away with it. Um, and <laughs> look, he won a couple uh junior slams, but he's just never really translated it. He hasn't had much success above ITF level. His game when he did have success last year was the end of the year. Uh, against worse fields in Maya on clay. Game is more suited to clay, doesn't really have any weapons, uh, hasn't really developed any since being a junior, more defensive player, not really the best for hard courts in general, especially quicker hard courts. We saw Ota last year really uh, pick up that form and really improve at the age of like 27 or 28 later in the season. Hasn't started the season this year the, the, in the greatest way, but he's got the much bigger serve. He's going to hold far more easily. He's going to find his way into return games. This really should be uh, a dominant match for Ota. It's probably my favorite bet so far of the young season. I've got minus one and a half sets on a big bet. I've got minus five games on a larger bet, and I've got a smaller bet on minus two and a half sets as well. I like that. And then there was one last bet I saw you had here at the bottom of the first quarter. Let me just double check. Mr. Fuksovic here playing Dusan Lejovic. You like Fuksovic in this spot, huh? Yeah. Look, again, if Lejovic is going to succeed on, on hard courts, one, the serve has to be working. And two, he needs someone he can grind down. And Fuksovic is, a, is in, in his own right someone who can grind. And he also benefits from quicker courts where, his, again, his game is going to play up a little bit more so than traditionally. Uh, we see that on grass where he's had success in the past as well or where he's pushed uh, some better players on that surface because that first serve becomes more potent. And he's he can stick in long rallies. He can win those long rallies. He's a, he's in very good shape. Terrible match for Lajevic. So at minus four games, uh, I'm more than willing to bet Fuchsvik's here. I think this should be up in the five to five and a half range where um, you should suppose that Fuchsvik's does win every set. And the question is, 
uh, by which margin, who serves first, these things come into play around a five and a half spread. I don't think they come into play as much on a minus four. So I, I'm, I'm glad to take that um, in that situation. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. And I'm sorry, it's not Ot, it's Ot. Or what is it, Ot? Ota. I think it's Ota. He's a German, so it's Ota. We'll have to ask Vinny. We'll ask, we'll ask Vinny. I try to, yeah, I got to like try to pretend I'm like a Hans Gruber type villain kind of guy. <laughs> get me into it a little bit. But I think that wraps up just about everything we have in the first quarter. Again, not too many futures there. I don't really see quarter prices for the first quarter for very obvious reasons, really, anywhere. Or the fourth. If you, yeah. <laughs> if you wanted to get invested in a few things, again, Berrettini, his outright price now is up to 50 to 1. I don't love his draw, but. I think I would maybe sprinkle that a little bit if I didn't already have some Berrettini here, but mostly just a lot of fun kind of first round matches. Any other thoughts from you guys in the first quarter here before we jump into the second? Yeah, 50 to 1 is certainly a play I would look at. I, I think I sprinkled a little bit on um, 38.09 at Bookmakers, so 37 to 1. Where's the fit? Was that at, book, at Bet365? Did that number change or is that another American? Um, I'm actually, I'm looking at Bovada. Bovada's got 50 oh. to 1. So that would have been, what's that here? Uh, 51. Oh, Bodog is where it would oh, be Bodog, for Canadians. Yeah. Um, I guess it was available, but I I, uh, I just took uh, thirty seven to one um, for a small small amount over at um, Bookmaker. <laughs> yeah, I wish there were quarter prices. I'd like to take them there, but yeah. And again, as a reminder, this is the Australian Open. Books that never have tennis open have tennis open. Go mm-hmm. look, open them all. Get the ten tabs, fifteen tabs open. Double check. It's a pain in the butt, but you will find some better numbers, and it makes a big difference long term. Second quarter in the men's draw, we've got Zverev at the top, Rafael and the doll at the bottom, and all sorts of kind of fun names here. Hatchinov's in the middle there, Karatsev's in the middle, um, Hubie Herkaz, Denis Shapovalov, uh, Riley Opelka as well. Um, you know, again, just kind of flipping through here. A little more interesting and competitive quarter overall, but is it finally Alexander Zverev's time spread? Can he finally do it at a Grand Slam? Can he really get there and close the deal? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be interesting. I would say right now he probably has the advantage over Rafa, but taking Rafa in a best of five, right? Zverev, uh, not very trustworthy. But I can't wait to talk about this quarter because I will be rooting for Chalk in the first two rounds uh, because there's so many matches that I would love to see. Like, uh, I mean, Opelka, Shapovalov, right? Definitely a possibility. Love to get your guys' thoughts on that. Uh, Hubie Hercox versus Karatsev, uh, a good possibility there in the third round. I think that's going to be a fantastic match. It's going to be tough to cap. And then, of course, Nadal might not even be there uh, to give Zverev trouble because, you know, I'm always higher on Hashinov than, than most. Uh, but I definitely think he can give Rafa uh, problems on, on these quick courts. So I, I, right now I do have Zverev as my favorite. But I'll tell you what, I'm treading lightly in this quarter. I think this could have one of the best third rounds we've seen in a Grand Slam in a while. Yeah, John, why don't you jump in? I mean, maybe give the a couple thoughts on some of those matches that Spread talked about before we get into the second quarter in general. I mean, Opelka, Shapovalov, that would be a lot of fun. How do you see that one shaking out? And uh, the other one was Urkatz, um and Karatsev. What do you think of both yeah. of those potential matches? I'm going to go the other way on Opelka and Shapovalov. I'm not going to be tuned into that one uh, very much. Like, I, I'm the opposite with Does Canadian. it just make you sad? Canadian women, yeah, it's out. just, oh, I just feel so boring. It <laughs> it feels like a match where Pelka could just serve his way to sets, and then he just has to wait for Dennis to have his typical one brain fart, or one service <laughs> game brain fart every set. And he'll win, like, 7-5, 6-4, 7-6 kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, it just feels like that inevitable Dennis is, has to be perfect on serve. Uh, and that pressure always leads to him screwing up at least one service game. He'll 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 hold. It'll be like love to uh, hold to love, hold to love, hold to fifteen. Broke into love, 
hold the love. Hold the love. <laughs> Those will be his service games in that set. Like you just know it's coming that way. Or his first five, he'll lose three points combined and then get broken to 15. Like that is that is the feel that I get from Dennis Chapovalov in these situations. Now is the time to prove me wrong. I mean, he hasn't really done it at the, in the past very often um, against the best players or against big servers, but not interested that so much in that one. Uh, her catch and Karatsa will be great. I mean, Karatsev off a title this week. I think some people had COVID issues. Was he recovering from COVID? Was he going to be okay? Well, he looks just fine. Um, even the three setters were relatively dominant against both uh, Dan Evans and Lorenzo Sonego. Sonego, of course, I think he started three of 16 on break points there before dominating the third set. Like, he was just, he was creating a ton of chances, just couldn't convert them. Beat Andy Murray in relatively um, easy fashion in the final three and three. So Karatsev is definitely one to watch. I wonder if he's going to be able to do it. Um, in best of five off of, of a long week. But remember, he played qualies last year and went to the semifinals. So he played this week last season for three matches and still went to the semis. So um, that'll be interesting. The other one I want to talk about, Hachanov Nadal. I think we're looking a little far ahead here. I think a real blockbuster would be Tanasi Kokinakis and Nadal. Oh, yes. Yeah. In great form. I think it was last Crazy. year or the year before where I had him plus two and a half sets, plus one and a half sets, plus games in money line against Tsitsipas and he got to a fifth cash three of the bets and it just came up short on like a plus 650 or plus 700 money line the guy loves playing in Australia he's supremely talented and finally looks fully healthy and he's coming off a title in his hometown of Adelaide kids gonna have the crowd with them kids like, oh man that that match could be popcorn and it's one where it's like you know turn off all your spoiler alerts your flash score notifications all that and try to find a way to watch it afterwards because Unfortunately, won't be on tennis TV, and I don't know where I'll find it, but I'll have to try and find it on demand because it'll definitely be one of those three thirty a.m. matches um, in our time zone. Yeah, as we start to maybe take a step back then and look at an outright perspective, this is one of the quarters you know we actually have some prices for. Is there any value, say, in somebody like Karatsev? Again, coming off a long week, but it's early in the season. Fatigue is less of a, a, an impact. And they've got days off in between matches. But I'm looking at him. He's 18-1 to 1 to win this quarter. He would avoid – he does have to go through Herkaz, but avoids Nadal a little bit later and would avoid Zverev until the quarterfinal. Um, did either one of you like that or have an opinion on the quarter prices here? I'm just so much higher on Zverev than I am on anyone else here. Like, Spread did mention, or you mentioned, I think, going through when we gave you the outline, apologies, that you, like, all those names. And I was like, oh, those are some pretty good names. Herkoch, strong contender. Uh, obviously, Karatsev has been great since about this time last year, or even if you watch Challengers the year prior, the end of 2020. But I, I just think Zverev is head and shoulders above the rest at this point. His game is so well-rounded. He's finally finding his stride. He's not choking in big situations. He's getting deep into the biggest tournaments, whether it be the Olympics, whether it be Grand Slams. Things are starting to click, and I don't want to be trying to oppose him here. And I'm not sure there's a ton of value uh, on his quarter price because for me, I saw $1.90. I think there's actually value on his outright, even at only $4.31 or plus 330. Because if Novak doesn't play, that's coming down well below $3.50 or even $3. He is going to march into the final if Novak's not playing. I, I Again, I this is me being low on Nadal in this spot, which could be very wrong of me. If you have Nadal in a power rating higher up your list, then obviously the $4.31 doesn't make nearly as much sense, right? Um, but I think Nadal's, like Spread mentioned, might have to go through Hachinov and Kokonakis. And Marcos Jerome could grind him to four sets or at least play, you know, 20 ball rallies and keep him on court for a while. So like, that's not an easy path early 
in the first week for Rafael Nadal. And the thing yeah. is, Nadal it likes to grind. So he, I don't think during the match he's thinking, oh, I should get out of here quickly, right? When it becomes a grind, he's like, yes. Now I'm in my element, which which I sometimes worry because he's withdrawn from so many hardcore tournaments, you know, over the past three or four years. I wonder if he gets into the grind because that's the style of match he enjoys and not really thinking about how it's going to affect him over the course of the fortnight. Yeah, I mean, since he passed, got him in the quarters last year and in a super long match, but he hadn't really been tested prior to that. I think this year, if you get him in to a four-setter with Kokonakis, if you get him in a long match with Jerome, if you get him into four sets with Hachinov, uh, I, I mean, he's not the Nadal he was five years ago, right? That mm-hmm. that fitness level is going to break down as he gets older. It's just inevitable. And I think that if you get Zverev peaking as he has been the last year against Nadal, against three or four tough matches, we saw him losing the quarters in a five-setter from two sets up against Pass. He already ran out of gas in that match after the third set or looked like he'd lost a step, not necessarily out of gas. Um, but again, if you get him in a quarter here where he's had a tougher test to get there and an equally as tough opponent in Zverev, I think he's in trouble. Yeah, John, you answered what my next question was going to be. Do you like Zverev in the outright market? Because like you said, three to one's a great price, whether Novak's there or not. Again, Novak might be kind of beat up at that point. We've seen Zverev even beat him a beat few him, times. Yeah. So you know, what do you think then of the quarter price? I'm looking at Zverev. He's minus 110 or just you know basically standard juice to win the quarter. I mean, it looks like he walks into the quarterfinals. I guess at that point, maybe you're nervous that either you know Karatsev, Herkaz, Nadal is sitting there in pretty good form. Well, see, my thing is, if he gets to the to win the quarter at dollar ninety, if he wins that quarter, he's a huge favorite in the semis. Uh, if Novak's not there, and you're going to see that reflected in his outright price is going to come way down if Novak doesn't play. And I just feel like even with Novak there, he's still competitive in that match. I don't think he's more than a plus one forty, plus one fifty, even plus one thirty dog because he's pushed Novak before, he's beaten Novak before, and he has the kind of the the prototypical makeup of the type of player you'd want to beat Novak Djokovic. So I still think that, look, that semifinal, especially with no Novak, is probably, if it is Nadal, let's say, in the quarterfinal. I think that that semifinal against Berrettini might be even more manageable for him um, than the Nadal quarter. So I'd rather just go for uh, the outright at well over $4 um, than than pay, you know, juice on a minus 110 or a $1.90 line to win the quarter. So I I thought about it, and I I do think that if I'm going to go for it, I'm going to... Um, assume that the government banning Novak twice will end up holding up at least one of the two times in court and that he won't play this tournament. There's other people who have the, the opposite thought. Again, if you're if you're higher on Nadal than me, it doesn't present as much value. If you're higher on Novak's chances of playing than I am, again, it doesn't present as much value. So I think it really depends on the inputs you have into your handicap here. Because I'm, I'm a lot... Like, if the government bans you once, he gets overturned, they get their ducks in order, they ban you again. I, it's really tough to beat a government at anything twice. Uh, so... I'm a lot higher on uh, Zverev than I think a lot of people who think Djokovic will play are and who still have faith in Rafa. All right. So I agree. We like Zverev here. I think that's a pretty solid outright. I'm going to poke around. I'll probably add some of that. And I like the way you kind of broke that down. Again, you got to think about outrights as parlays. And I like the way you connected the minus 110 to the three to one. I think you're right. The value in that three to one is actually between the minus 110 and the three to one, not necessarily before any of that. There was one more match that we had here. I know I keep bringing up Karatsev, but one more time, John. We like Karatsev in the first round here? Yeah, look, I mean, Munar has, I think, been working with Rafa at his academy in Mallorca, where he's from. Uh, Munar, that is. 
And his hard court game is looking a bit better. I mean, he beat, but like, look, even look at his wins this year, beating Kevin Anderson in 2022 in a hard court. I've just, I'm not sold. That's a good win anymore. It is for, it is for Munar. Okay. Let, let, let me, let me, let me re- rephrase that. It's a good win for Munar. It's not a good win for anyone that plays hard court tennis anymore. Right. He's over the hill. He's like, <laughs> look at Sam Query and Kevin Anderson to me are in the same boat. Big serve bots that are just so old that like the mobility, the serve can't uh, out, outpace the lack of mobility you know what i mean future carla um, bitches millman's yeah millman's <laughs> been horrible this year john millman has started this season probably as poorly as anyone so again that win is meh and then he loses to maxime cressy who's had a great start to the year but again not a world beater just yet um and then loses to chillich and straight so i'm not convinced that against better talent and and better hardcore players um that he's as good as maybe his three wins indicate early in the season. Plus, Karatsev is a better returner than both Cressy and Chilich by a long shot. And Chilich beat him by five games in a best of three. Cressy beat him by three games in a best of three. Karatsev has best three of five format here. He's in form. He gener- he's generated a ton of break points. He's been in a ton of return games. He's a better returner than the guys who've already beaten Munar. Yeah, minus five and a half, I'm willing to lay. I think it should be about minus seven. All right, gentlemen, any other thoughts, questions on the second quarter here before we jump into the third? No, let's move on to the third. Third quarter, kind of fun, you know, despite the fact that Stefano Tsitsipas is our seed here who has openly and actively been talking about how he's maybe not as locked in as he should be, hasn't been playing much tennis, has some injuries. But as I look at some of these sections, the top section specifically, I kind of like. You've got some younger players here kind of all lumped together. Rude's here. I see Massetti. We'll see if Demon Hour still has anything left. We've got Yannick Sinner there in that little section. Um, our buddy Snize, our Swedish companion there his his boy roberto batista agut mm. sitting here the once great australian open player he loves playing down under had a really bad year last year this would be a good spot for him to kind of put it all together i'll start with you this time spread what do you see here in this third quarter what are you excited to watch and uh, did any value stick out to you yeah so i'm jumping in and i think we have some potential uh, great matches um, one thing I definitely want to talk to you guys, I think I might be undervaluing a- Andy Murray. I don't know how to make uh, his first round match against Basil. Of course, Basil playing really bad for a little while. They seemed to come together last year. So I'll be interested to see how that one turns out. Um, you know, Murray, I just can't seem to get a handle on. To, to me, I'm like, how do you play on a, on a metal hip or whatever he has, right? So I never think he's going to be doing good. Uh, give him credit. He, he's been doing great. But then there's times... Uh, like like this morning where Karatsev just hits right through him and it just seems like he's never going to get back to where he was. Give him credit for the love of the game because I always have respect when they keep playing, even when they know, you know, they're not going to make a ton of money, right? All of Venus Williams. Uh, but a match that I think could happen that I would love to hear your thoughts on, and this would be actually the fourth round, would be Casper Ruud uh, versus Yannick Sinner. And then, of course, um, I'd also love to get your thoughts on Dimitrov because I think he's starting to play a little better. Uh, interested to see how he turns out. We could have an All-American second round here in this quarter. Uh, Tiafo versus Fritz. Uh, definitely want to hear you guys' chances on that and, and what you think could happen there. And then, of course, it's a pass. Really tough to say because I don't know how much I really make of this guy's comments, right? Uh, reminds me of myself when I'm younger. Sometimes he just talks off the top of his head, and, and it just could be how he feels in the moment, right? And it's not really what's going on, right? He could have just Hold on, not- hold on. Yeah. Everybody, take your bingo cards out. Oh, Spread compares to a professional <laughs> tennis player. Yeah. 
plus a little letter on there but, on your but this time it wasn't an athletic dominance it, it was just on being an airhead so I, I think i get a better pass on this one right but uh right i just might he might have not practiced that day so now he's like oh i'm not serious about tennis because he, he made a vlog instead but i think there's so many the fantastic <laughs> matches is that what they're not called vlog <laughs> man they're vlogs <laughs> he's on the youtube try to figure he's it out yeah. oh it's tough the a google vlog, is difficult baby. <laughs> He's still looking for that butler that used to look stuff up for him. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, with the vlog, why don't you guys break down some of those? Because I think this is a fascinating <laughs> quarter, but I don't know how I'm going to approach it from a gambling perspective. So I definitely want to talk to you guys and, and see. Uh, see John, what why don't you hop in and, and talk? Well, a see, the first thing that. is having fun on these shows is always a good thing too. <laughs> don't want to be too serious. We're betting here. We're having fun. Right, we're being serious about our bets. We also want to have some fun while we're doing it while we're watching. Um, secondly, yeah, spread touched on one potential second round match that I think is very important. Uh, I know in the the preamble to the show, you mentioned potentially driving to Jersey to to find some three six five numbers. I don't know if we should say that on here if they're watching Albania. I don't know, but uh, there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of different derivative markets here to fade Sitsi Pass. I think you can find one of them is minus one twenty five centered to go further than Sitsi Pass. Really intriguing number considering one, he's in the easier section of the same quarter, and two, since he passes, could be still somewhat hurt with that elbow, hasn't played much. He's played two matches, one of them lasted five games at the ATP Cup before his opponent retired. Uh, and three, again, he's got three guys that could beat him in the fourth round, uh, like potentially. You've got Fritz and Tiafo who could meet in that second round. I think both of them could take him out. We already who saw Tiafo do it. Ah, uh, Fritz right now, but it's we tough, saw, though, we huh? saw, yeah, because Tiafo's game plays up on quicker services. We saw it at Wimbledon. We saw Tiafo take out Sitsi Pass at Wimbledon because his serve and his forehand will play up on these courts where he doesn't typically generate as much power as a guy like Sitsi Pass would. And his athletic ability still plays uh, returning and his shot making ability still plays on these courts. That's why he's had success here in Australia at Wimbledon against Sitsi Pass before. Francis has a chance to beat him there head-to-head, especially if that elbow is somewhat bothering him and the serve isn't as effective. Taylor Fritz right now is finally putting together his backhand, his movement, his you know mental game and thinking through points to go with his serve and forehand. We saw at the end of last year, two Masters events, he made the semis at Indian Wells, beating, I think, Zverev and Berrettini along the way. Um, and then he went to the final in a smaller event in Russia where he lost to Chilich. And then his loss at the Paris Masters in the quarters was to Novak Djokovic. He really put together a strong end to 2021. His game is coming together. I think both of those guys I will be I will be backing if they make the fourth round against Stefanos. So there's that's why I like Sinner to go further than um, Stefanos. I like Stefanos stage elimination fourth round because I'm not confident Emer has the game, uh, the requisite game to trouble him. Sorry, my alarm's going off here. Um, <laughs> I don't think he has the requisite game to trouble Sitsi Pass and take advantage of those weaknesses. Like he can't rush the backhand with power. Uh, his serve is probably a little too weak to take advantage of Sitsi Pass's return troubles on quicker courts. So I think he gets through that match. And then it's, I, I think, two, um, is it clay quarters in the next round, I believe? Yeah. Dimitrov, maybe Benoit Pair, Diego Montero. Yeah, Baez, and, is, but. Baez, Ramos, Vignolas wouldn't be able to trouble him if he gets through the first round. Oh, sorry, and then maybe yeah. Grigor. So maybe the third yeah. round, but at plus 450, you can find a fourth round stage of elimination where he'd either have to play Roberto Bautista, Agut, Francis Tiafu, or, or Taylor Fritz. All three of whom, like the one thing I like about this bet is you don't have to construct a narrative where one guy has to get there and then he has to beat him. You get three shots 
that could feasibly beat Sitsipas in that fourth round. You're not rooting for one specific person. You just need Fritz versus Tiafo to happen. Then you're guaranteed one of them into the third round. And then you need Bautista Agut to get to the uh, the third round as well. And I think, you know, that's where you'd end up seeing them play. This draw is throwing me off the Aussie Open weird bracketing. But um, either way, you got three guys who could feasibly make that fourth round and take Sitsipas out there for plus 450. I think that's a little bit of a an interesting uh, derivative market as well. Yeah, I like that. And again, I'll circle back to RBA, and I would like that you mentioned Tiafu. Those were two players that I looked at, both of them to win the quarter. I'm looking at RBA, he's 9-1, to Tiafu's 18-1. to I don't know if necessarily they can continue to break through it after that point, you know, make the semifinals, make a final, but I think both of those guys have a great chance to win this quarter, at the very least make the quarterfinals. I mean, again, at the top half, I think this is just going to be, I'm going to be excited to watch center. I, I, you know, it's this could be, you know, one of the first grand slams where he comes through kind of really puts his name on something he should be in the quarterfinals you know you start to look at this unless you know again Massetti or Rude come through and play really really well he's going to be a, a pretty solid favorite I believe in every match all the way up to those quarterfinals so curious to see kind of what he can do here um, wanted to back him I kind of bet him a few places pre-draw in kind of the 20s Again, not sure how I feel overall about that. His price to win the quarter, he's the favorite, but at plus 275, again, look, looks just about right to me. Was there any other thoughts you guys had here in the third round? Any other bets you wanted to share? So you sound like you like um, Sinner over Rude if they meet up. Do you agree, John? Yeah, I, I think he's. if there's ever a draw for him to break through to a semifinal at a Grand Slam, this is it. This is definitively the best draw he could ask for. He's away from Medvedev, Djokovic, Nadal, Zverev, Berrettini, who could serve his way through the kid. And then, of course, he gets his the main guy in his area, in his uh, quarter, is Sitsipas, who could be hurt, who may not be locked in, and who has a tough fourth round match, regardless of who it is uh, coming through. I absolutely think this is Yannick Sinner's quarter um, to, or slam to actually break through and win a quarterfinal, get too deep into a second week. All right, and help me yeah. out with my bracket. I've gone back and forth three times. Murray versus Basil <laughs> in the first round. Oh, Murray. Uh, originally, I thought Murray, Murray he's going to smash him. Look, and this is this is a thing where some people say, look at the head-to-head, -head, and I'll say, you can look at the head-to-head, -head, or you can look at why Murray's beaten him twice. That Wimbledon four-setter sh should have been done in three. Remember, Murray was up five-love in that match in the third set. Yeah. Somehow lost it five-seven. Um, if you remember, though, Basilashvili, it's just – a completely erratic guy against a guy who's predicated his whole career on smart tennis, returning tennis, defensive tennis, the perfect, you know, kryptonite to Basilashvili. Do you think Murray can beat Sinner then if no. he makes it to the third and they match no. up? Do you think that's where he'll exit? Oh, yeah. He's, that would be an interesting bet though, right? Do you have the specific rounds to go out? Uh, not for every player. Third round? Not for every player. Let me check if they have Murray at 365. Um, it's it's only about six or seven players they'll spread it for. One of them was Sitsi Pass. Yeah, I was thinking uh, Murray might be one. He's a pretty popular guy, right? Uh, and it's a British book, too, so you'd think they would try and get Murray in there. Yeah. They have – no, they have Sinner, Sitsi Pass, and Rude, as well as Oje Aliasim. Those are the only hmm. four I see at 365 for that market. Well, maybe that goes up. That would be something I'd be or interested in. If sorry, that's that. player to reach round, not uh, stage of elimination. Ojeda Seem, Rude, Sinner, Same four players. <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, let's jump into the fourth and final quarter where happy as a clam has to sit Daniel Medvedev 
all the way down at the bottom. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Zverev's in the top half. If Djokovic shows up, he's in the top half. Nadal's in the top half. Just about everybody that could possibly scare who seems to be, you know, what it looks to be the next great hardcore tennis player is far, far away. And, you know, I look at Medvedev, I was looking at minus 110 or $1.91 for him to reach the final. That looks like a great number to me. I just, I don't see anybody in his way that could possibly knock him off. Again, some other names in the quarter here. You know, we've got Rublev. Rublev's a nice player. I like back at Rublev, but he can't beat Medvedev. There just seems to be some sort of mental block there. Whatever it is, Medvedev just kind of owns him. It's ahead, stylistic. John. Like, Rublev doesn't have the rally tolerance. He doesn't have any variety to his game. He's a serve and forehand guy. Well, Medvedev, one, can serve with him one for one if not even bigger. And two, Medvedev's like that lanky, annoying guy who despite his height and big first serve loves to grind out plays. He uses his length to get to every ball and return everything. Like that's again, kryptonite for Andre Rublev who needs his, his serve and forehand to win him all his points. Medvedev can neutralize both those things. That's why again, people say, look at the head to head. Medvedev's, you know, dominates. And well, yeah, because look at the stylistic matchup here. That's horrible for Rublev. And I mean, if he gets moved to the first quarter, what on earth is stopping Medvedev? Like minus one ten may not be enough. It probably should be minus one thirty eight or a dollar seventy two, if the the true price there to reach the final. You might be talking value on laying juice for a guy to reach the <laughs> to win six matches. That's insane to me. The rollover parlay, even with Rublev there, you're never getting above a dollar twenty until the semifinal. What do you have them lined out against Kyrgios if they meet in the second round? Well, I mean, he's a, a huge favorite. He's a huge. Kyrgios could come through, but he will still be a massive underdog. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's going to be outrageous. And that's what you mean. I'm going to bet that. I think I already have bet. I'll have to double check. I might go take some more because it's just there is nothing. There is not one single person that stands in his way. And again, if the Novak thing happens and Rublev's out, like Medvedev could play left-handed and, and, and make it to the, the sneaking semifinals at this yeah. point. So, I mean, what else do you see here, John? Were there any other names that kind of stuck out here to you? Any interesting kind of pockets in this quarter? You know, we do have Auger Aliasim in here, the once great Diego Sebastian Schwartzman, but again, nothing really else stuck out to me. I do like watching Dan Evans in Grand Slam tennis. It's amazing to watch somebody that can take a two-hour our match and turn it to five and <laughs> just like that well he played look at his match against uh karatsev it was six three six seven six three to karatsev one tie break two nine game sets three hours <laughs> but no i don't nothing else here for me i don't know about spam um yeah this is the, the time saver wanted, quarter for me yeah and if i wanted to just jump in and it's good that you mentioned time i think that one when we time we get to quarterfinals and semifinals right what's one thing that we're going to be mentioning in our handicaps it's going to be time on court you look at this matchup, he might be really low. I mean, that Curios yeah. match, it, it could be a, a four-setter that's really short. Um, both the same thing. I think they'll, they'll go. If he gets Isner in that round, who do you see coming out of Isner's little section? Is he? Do you think he's going to make it? Cressy's been playing pretty well, and, and I've been uh, betting on him a lot, but it's a step up in competition. Isner hasn't been playing well, though. I think the oh. Cressy-Isner matchup is tough. Easy, like Chris O'Connell. I, okay. <laughs> I feel like anyone that tweets, if I see anyone tweeting that match live, Isner versus Cressy on my timeline when there's all these matches to watch, I don't, I don't now even know. If it's, I don't do even it. know if it's just a, 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 an unfollow or a mute. That might just be straight blocked and report territory. <laughs> and do report live tweets. Love to see that harassment. Isner, Isner with his fourth ace of the game, and he needs one love in the first set. Shut up! Like, I don't want that on my timeline. 
Uh, all right, gentlemen. I think that just about wraps up the men's draw. Again, not a lot from an outright perspective. Make sure you have some sort of Zvera position. Look for Medvedev to reach the, the finals. Grab a Medvedev outright while it's still floating around there. There's a couple spots that have him plus 150, plus 140. I assume you guys already have that. You better get out there and get some of that. Um, went through a couple of John's bets. Again, he likes... Ota, minus one and a half sets, two and a half sets, five games, whatever you want. Albo, money line, Vukcevic, minus four, and Karatsev, minus five and a half were kind of his big plays there. Gentlemen, did I miss anything before we jump into the women's draw? Now let's jump in. All right. The always more fun and entertaining women's tennis draw. And I will say I was a little surprised to learn this. We always talk about how the men's side is a little more dominant, but... There is only one of the two tours, I believe, that has had the same player finish number one in the world three years in a row. And that would be the women's tour. Ashley Barty for the third year in a row. I was kind of shocked to look this up. Finishes the year ranked number one. Comes in, wins her first tournament of the year. Is the number one seed here. But the draw really did not do her any favors. Naomi Osaka, not as even just the seed at the bottom of her quarter, is the seed at the bottom of her eighth. Now, we haven't seen Osaka play a lot. She's talked about kind of fatigue, but we've seen her come in cold before and take advantage of days off, and she's had a ton of success here. She is the defending champion. She's won two of the last three Australian Opens. Also in the middle here, Anna Samova and Bencic, which could be possibly the best second-round match of pretty much the bracket here. You go down to the bottom section of the first quarter. Would be a great spot for Alms Jabor. Unfortunately, she's carrying some sort of abdominal injury. Really don't feel good about her chances there. Jesse Pagula, my girl, kind of sitting in a nice little spot there. I think she's in a sneaky, um, good place to maybe make a quarterfinal here. And then Zachary down at the bottom of the quarter. We'll start with you here, Spread. Can anybody take out Ashley Barty? And why is it Naomi Osaka? <laughs> oh yeah of course it's naomi because she uh her game plays so well on the surface um little worried about her commitment right i don't know if she makes vlogs or anything but uh i know that she has been modeling and going all around uh but yeah i think there's some great points one i think a couple people we need to talk about of course uh you know you could argue this but i'd say the breakout star of last year uh Krejcikova. Um, she's got a great chance, and Kontavite has been playing so well uh, since adding Dmitry Tursanov as a coach. Tursanov used to use, actually used to live out here by us, uh, out, out in Folsom, and, and was the coach of the Sacramento Capitals about tw 20 years ago. So I'm pretty familiar with him. Used to go out and, and see him uh, play and coach live. Great things that he's doing there. It seems like whoever he works with uh, seems to do better. And then, of course, uh, Badosa is a, a woman that we cannot – overlooked because it always seems that whoever does well uh, in that end of the year tournament kind of carries their success into the next season. And so those are the names that I'm looking at right now as potential upsets for Barty. Yeah, and those will all be a little bit later. Now I want to ask you a real important question, John. Do you have any idea who the Sacramento Capitals are? No. No, I have no there idea. There are world tennis teams. Stuff up. I know of the Sacramento world tennis. I know the What's Sacramento that? Queens. I think Shaquille O'Neal taught me about yeah. them. Or was it Barkley oh, yeah. on – <laughs> Let's get it. I'm not a basket. You guys are the best. Team I just watched Well, world team tennis. We don't. You're yeah. not a world team tennis. Team, we had we had world team tennis team. Yeah, oh, did you? Was was team yeah. That's, that's, I'll have to go yeah, back I, and refresh myself. But let's yeah, get things back under control here, John. Yeah, first quarter yeah, here. I you the VHS. <laughs> oh God, it probably probably has it on Betamax. If you look at here at the first quarter, John, again, what are your thoughts? Is it, is it Barty coming through? I really would like to see somebody like Anna Samova kind of upset the apple cart. She is kind of the one name that I would pick. 
we've seen in the past how much talent she has. The last year and a half for her between injuries, between losing her father, have just been brutal. But if you look over the last month or so, she's just been clobbering people. The aforementioned World Team Tennis, she was there for about three weeks. I think won like 70% of the points that she won for the entire two weeks she was there or something like that. Won a title in her first tournament back. Again, I don't love that she has to play Benchich in the second round, probably Osaka in the third round, and then Barty there in the fourth. But, hey, at least you get it all out of the way early. So you get Anisimova, who's going to play well in these quicker courts and has, I believe, a title under her belt leading in. You get the Olympic gold medalist, Osaka and Barty, all in the same eighth. That, to me, screams this is a prime opportunity to take someone on the other side of this quarter. And you know what? I don't even have to bet this player to win the quarter. I'm going to bet Maria Sakkari just to make the quarter. 3.75 plus 275 at bet 365. And there's a couple of reasons for this. One, if you do think she can upset whoever comes out of that top half of the, of the top section because they beat each other up and play long, whatever it is, she's going to be probably a plus 200 dog to Osaka or Barty. So take your 3.75 instead of your 9.00 for her to win the quarter. If she makes the quarter, then you've just bet her money line and carry it over. And you're up to, I think, uh, I'm not great at math, but it's 9, 2.1 is 11.25. So yeah, 10.25 yeah, to 1. To you're getting better to just play the reach the quarter. And either you can then do a half stake and pocket some cash. You can roll it all over and get better odds if, if you do play Osaka or Barty there. I think you just have more flexibility and potentially better odds playing it that way than just taking her to win the quarter uh, outright. Uh, and secondly, her section to me is not that intimidating, especially because Jesse Pagula has lost two world beaters, Arena Begu and Carolyn Garcia to start the season. She has not won a set of tennis playing Arena Begu, and Carolyn Garcia in 2022. So, yeah, count me out on I'm intimidated by her against Maria Sakri at this point. The only concern is if she does get it right, she has three matches under her belt before getting to that Sakri match. That would scare me. If she looks really good for three matches and puts those two losses behind her, then Sakri could be in a bit of trouble, if you know what I mean. You don't um, think there's going to be owns there? I have owns there. No, she has a She's back hurt. problem or ab oh, problem. Either okay. way, back or ab, it's horrible for the serving, and it's which is key to her game, and it's horrible for her movement, which is also key to her game. Just it just tennis. it destroys her. her. And, and, it, and it was recent. There. Like she hasn't, we haven't seen her play a match since to ease our fears. That was her most recent match. I'm not really sold on that, so I've kind of written Ants off uh, in, in an outright perspective. I haven't written her off. Okay. She could dominate her first match, and then she's right back in the... But from a pre-tournament perspective, I've kind of written that off. Same reason I've written Pagula off, because, again, she could rip three wins off and then really worry me in that final round for you know to make the quarters. I can hedge there, too, because if she's on fire, likely a closer line, um, and it's hedgeable. But, but pre-tournament, with the information I have here... 0 for 4 in sets against Arena Begu and Carolyn Garcia. I've mentioned that a couple times, and I'll mention it again because it is very <laughs> important. Uh, the caliber of players she has lost to early on are not, is not inspiring to me at all. So, yeah, I think uh, Maria Sacre to make the quarterfinal, reach the quarterfinal, not win the quarter just as an outright, um, is, a, is a nice bet here. Well, I think you're wrong. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I don't care that Jesse Pagula lost to Begu, who quietly had a whole break north of like 105% against a pretty good competition on hard courts last year. It was also her first match of the year. I'll give her a little bit of pass there. Garcia, she caught, who had actually been playing some tennis. And again, it looked like Pagula in that match was happy to kind of get going and get here. But I have, unfortunately, though, I can't bet Pagula to reach a round. She's not that 
big of a big of a name. So I'm going to do it the old fashioned way and take her to win the quarter. I found 18 to one. And my plan is whatever she gets in the quarterfinals, hit the cash out button, do a hedge bet, whatever. I, I can't find a way to bet her just to reach that round. But I think I'm going to get much better value because, you know, you're right, John. A lot of people are going to look at that start. I don't think that she is going to get priced kind of fairly here. And I think I'm kind of done with the idea of Maria Zachary being like a really dangerous player in the WTA tour. I well, think we're looking at someone who at the very best becomes Alina Svitolina. She's not a threat to win slams just yet, but she's made a semi before. She's made second weeks before. It's it's the latter stages where she falls apart. She looks great for three or four matches. That's not her issue. Her issue is getting to the semis against Krejcikova, having a chance to close her out, me sitting on pins and needles thinking, damn, my outright is dead. And then them combining for 100 unforced errors in regulation time by 6-6 in the third set before those overtime uh, third sets at the French, if you will. They had 100 and something combined unforced errors. Unreal. Never seen that. Uh, that's where she struggles in with the nerves in the latter stages of tournaments. I think asking her to get to a quarter isn't a big ask, honestly. Yeah, and, and with Sakari, I think it is, John hit it on the head, it's mental. Because her form just declines in those big spots. Be interesting to see if he overcomes it. Um, someone in Pagula's path that's also slumping, right, but definitely has a lot of talent, is Alexandrova. Uh, no concerns about their matchup because I think that she has a chance. I mean, it's two slumping players. Whoever comes out of that one, uh, definitely going to feel better. I wouldn't be surprised if Alexandrova was able to overcome Pagula. Oh, God. Alexandrova does make me as sad as Sabalenka does at this point. But <laughs> go back and look. Alexandrova didn't win more than, I think it was three matches at any single tournament last year. Again, I don't, she, whether it's a physical thing, whether it's just kind of reaching the limits of her abilities, I don't know what it is, but she's absolutely hit a wall. And I don't know if I would be betting her to make long runs in tournaments until I see it again. All right. All right, gentlemen, any other thoughts here on the first quarter? Again, um, John's going to grab Zachary to reach the quarterfinals. If you can't do that, grab it in the quarter and buy out. I'm going to do that with Pagula because I don't care that she lost to Begu and whoever. Let, let me ask you guys one more. Nisimova and, and Osaka play, <laughs> if they both make it, how do you think that match will be lined? Osaka has to be a big favorite just for the name. I just... My guess is we're all going to be on Nisimova at the number there. Oh, yeah. It depends on how she looks leading into that match, too. Uh, I'm, I've told myself this year I'm putting a greater emphasis on form because last year I faded form saying, oh, they're overreacting, and I got killed doing it. <laughs> Apparently, when like tennis players now, when they get it, when they hit a groove more than ever before, are just like seizing the opportunity and going bananas. So I'm like, all right, I've got to adjust the inputs here, the, the way I weight my inputs. So if Anisimova hasn't lost a match and is still like crushing 6-2, 6-2, that beats Benchich badly, yeah, I'll probably look to, to be on at least some capacity against Osaka because she'll be able to hold well enough to at least cover. Like like Alex said, this is going to be an overwhelming favorite for Osaka. She has to be just because if she's not the market, there'll be way, too much liability on parlays and straight bets on people betting like minus 225 if they line her at 225. So you're going to have to have her at like minus 350, minus 400, just on principle on a hard court, which is going to give you a four and a half game spread on, on an Isimova, which she could cover with relative ease if she's in form. So I think you're going to have to look at, at, at it from that perspective when you're trying to uh, originate that match. Yeah, I think that uh, Benchich match is going to be great because Benchich can definitely redirect that power, right? I mean, it's... Not a good matchup for, for Belinda, I want to think. But at the same time, like she does have paths to victory there. 
by being smart and really just redirecting Aunt Amanda's power and using it against her. Uh, if she gets past that, I can imagine Osaka is going to be a big favorite. And, and you know, we're all going to be on on Anisimova. I'm thinking just because of the number that they're going to put up. Yeah, and a lot of it again. You know, look at Osaka's start. Osorio Serrano, not the greatest player in the world, but if Osaka's not kind of you know on her game that day, Serrano might be able to work her a little bit. Curious to see you know if Yastremska can get back, get past world beater Madison Brengel if she still has anything <laughs> left left in the tank. I mean, it could be a little bit of a choppy draw for Osaka, but if it's Anisimova right. Osaka. I couldn't see Osaka being less than like minus two fifty or one point four in that if I get spot. Plus kind of somewhere better, there. Yeah, and then I we are. I'm, I think we are yeah. going to get plus one eighty five or so, two point eight on, on yeah. um, Anna My sure. my fear is they throw a freaking three and a half out there because if they're smart, they'll throw a three and a half out and make you pick between like a seven six six four or is there a seven six six three with service order? I think three and a half is probably the correct bet. If they give me four and a half, I'm taking the games. Um, for sure, with Anisimova, depending on how her serve looks heading in, if it's you know still clicking and she's just firing through her first two matches, and I can get a four or four and a half, probably look to play that absolutely or a ladder too. You can look at the setovers there potentially. I thought Naomi looked really good in the couple matches she played, and I'll tell you what, I wasn't expecting that. I thought I was almost ready to write her off as I saw her making appearances. It seemed at every fashion show. Uh, all, all fall, right? It was like, well, uh, I feel like her game is so easy to, to get back to, right? It's like, yeah, riding a bicycle. She's not a variety player. She's just stand at the line and smack serves as hard as you can rip forehands mm -hmm. as hard as you can. A couple practice sessions, hitting a couple hundred balls a pop and okay, you found your rhythm. You found your mechanics again. It's not like she's got a touch. She's got to practice her slice. She's got to practice her approach to yeah. net. She's got to practice <laughs> her volleys. No, she's just hammer balls as hard as you can. I just do it more consistently than any other, like Camilla Georgie out there who cannot find the consistency I can. That's what Naomi Osaka's game is. So I feel like she can get back to it a lot easier than an Aunt Jabour if she was off for five months, right? Yeah. All right, let's jump into the second quarter. Krejcikova here at the top, Bedosa down at the bottom. Should be some fun matchups in here. I'm excited to see, um, you know, we might get an Azarenka Svitolina matchup there. Azarenka starting to look a little bit better. Would like to see her play Krejcikova there. Um, you look down on the bottom, Coco Goff just keeps getting better every single week. Curious to see what she can do here. And I think a real opportunity for her to make a quarterfinal, if not further. Uh, Madison Keys, Madison Keys is back apparently she's playing yes. great tennis again and you know, i would be terrified if i was sophia kennan there in that spot um you know again bedosa uh incredible hardcourt player sarah sorabas tormo back here playing great hardcourt tennis again i assume um uh, last year was weird it was a weird year last year i don't i cannot I don't know wait what to do now that we talk about speaking now that we're speaking about playing good hardcourt tennis i cannot wait for the next quarter I can't oh, wait it. for the next quarter. <laughs> skipping, it. skipping it. I'm not even going to talk about it. I'll just jump out. You guys can do whatever. I'll come back. That's fine. We'll still be out. saying I told you so, even if you're not on the screen. <laughs> oh, I don't care. I've made the appropriate arguments and appropriate caveats in the past, but we'll talk about it at Contemplate a little bit later. Second <laughs> you know? quarter, I, I look at this. It's Barbara Krejcikova or pass. I'm in. I'm all in on Barbara Krejcikova. I think that she is one of the th three best players probably on tour on her best day. I think that the, her variety, her history and kind of big moments through all those doubles championships just gives her a huge edge. I mean, tennis at the end of the day, these are all incredibly talented women. It's hard to find real big differences in the, in the quality of game. It comes down to who can play well in big moments. And Krejcikova has as many of those as possible. You look at her draw. 
The first couple rounds look pretty pretty comfortable there. I did mention a possible matchup with Azarenka, maybe Svitolina there, but I'm not really too concerned about her. I think that she's playing some great tennis. I took her. There was just some 20-to-1s um, for her to win the tournament outright a few places. Scooped up that everywhere I could. Again, the quarterfinal opponent, whether it be Bedosa or Goff, could be kind of tough, but I'm just going to keep backing Krejcikova until they push her into kind of the 11-12-to-1 spot down near Muguruza and all these other women. What do you think, John? Would you agree that because um, all these players are not just in the top quarter, but in the top section of the top quarter, like, you know, well, the two favorites of the entire tournament are in the same section, it kind of is going to provide you with some value in the rest of the other three quarters of the draw? I mean, look, I know that 3.65 last night, it was $4 or plus 300 on Barty, plus 550, $5.50 on Osaka. One, those are two great prices on those two because they kind of give each other value in a way they've got a. Uh, they can't have either one as a huge favorite because they're in the same section. But two, when you're getting 20 to ones on people in the other parts of the draw, when they're guaranteed not to meet the two favorites, either of the two favorites to at least the semis, I, I think you've got to look at it. Like if you want to load up on, on, on 20 to ones, 50 to ones, 30 to ones, this is probably the tournament to do it with the women because there's going to, there are tough sections. Like this has got a lot of good players, not elite players in it outside of Krejcikova. Like again, Bedosa, I think very, very good. I don't know if she's elite yet. Goff, same thing. Svitolina, same thing. Azarenka, same thing. Keys, same thing with her form. So you're getting a lot of like, there's enough quality there to, in, to have a nice price of 20 to one, as you mentioned, but you're still avoiding the players who really trouble her until the semifinals. Right. So I think that's probably the way to look at the rest of this draw. Um, from that respect, I don't have a ton of uh, women's outrights to be honest, but I think that's the strategy I would utilize if I was looking to 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 buy more, to purchase more, invest more in these in these outright markets. Yeah, we'll yeah. keep going as we talk. I had probably the least amount of outrights I've had in a tournament in a long time here. Again, I think the women's draw is starting to tighten up a little more than people give it credit. But go ahead, Spread. What do you see here? Yeah, I was going to say that too. It's almost like when we were doing the men's last year, right, where I'm looking straight ahead to the quarterfinals matches. And I would say for Krejcikova, it's not the semifinals. It's the quarterfinals where she meets her first real test. And, of course, that's Bedosa. And for whatever reason, uh, I actually kind of favor Bedosa in that matchup. So I think I'm going to be looking at this the same exact way that you guys are, but I'm just going to switch my, my top player, right? Because we can, I think we, we all agree that the top two players in this draw uh, are Bedosa and Krejcikova. So I think you can take a stand uh, with either one of those who you think is going to win that quarterfinal match. I've been so impressed with Bedosa's game, and I just like uh, her all-around ability. And it just felt like a lazy comp. Uh, with, with the Pete Garbine, but it's getting to feel that way. Like when I watched her hit through Dasha the other night, I was just like, okay, but I've seen her also play defensive as well as a lover ability uh, to just truly be, you know, an all, all around player. And I'm really excited for her year this year. So I'm approaching this the same way as you are. I just chose a different quarter finalist uh, to attack this quarter. And I'm going to go with Bedosa Gobert. She's got, she's got sneaky power. Yeah. Like she really does. I don't think we'll give her credit for it. She moves well. Um, she's got, She's strong from both wings. Like she's got a very well-rounded game and she's got more power than I think people give her credit for. You know, she's, I think she's actually pretty tall too. So like that serve is going to be naturally, she's coming down on that ball. Uh, it's obviously going to, it's built in to add a, a bit of pace to it. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to a potential fourth round between Goff and Bedosa. I almost, I, I probably will end up getting Goff at like a pick em or as a favorite because that's what the markets like to do with Coco. But if I could get her at a at decent underdog money, 
plus 125, plus 130, plus 140. I'm probably going to be taking me some Coco Goff in that match. I can't believe I'm saying this because you all know me the last couple of years has just been <laughs> fade Goff with decent players. She's overvalued. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think I might actually find some value for once in backing Coco Goff. It almost feels like saying I want to bet Venus Williams. It's weird. Well, I mean, she's added the experience. That was some of the things that we talked about, right? She's just so young. She's overhyped. Now she's got a year. She's a little bit you know, under the radar there towards the end with everything going on uh, in the tennis world. One thing I would say about golf, though, uh, and you guys will probably roll your eyes, but never count out a Grand Slam keys. I will probably be taking keys as a dog. Of course you will. Of course he is. I, I knew. Yeah. Seriously, you have I to. Keys in form. I was like, you know we're going to hear. Plus, this is their best surface, though, right? I mean, like, maybe yeah. Wimbledon, but it seems like the quick hard court is where keys really excels. And you just knew it. You knew as soon as she won that first tournament, like as soon as we were going to do this show, yeah. Spread's going to be like, okay, she's in form. Yeah. Is that a slam? I'm taking Maddie. And just know it. It was redundant. <laughs> now that Spread's feeling a little good, I'm going to talk about a first round matchup that might bum him out a little bit because I'm going hard after his girl Ostapenko here in the first round to try to be as nice as I possibly can. It would appear that Mrs. Ostapenko spent the last few months enjoying herself rather than maybe. Um, getting herself in tippy-top tennis shape. She goes here in the first round. Yeah, I mean, if I can jump in on that real quick, Alex, (laughs) I would just say I really thought that Marion Bartoli was going to be a great coach for Ostapenko, but I'm really disappointed that she's using her as her dietitian now, and and it shows on the court. It's... I, again, I like Schmidt Lova here. I got her on the money line. I got her plus one and a half sets. I can't remember if I bet her to win the first set. Ostapenko isn't much of a quitter, so I think she'll finish the match. But give me Schmidt Lova every which way. What do you think, John? She was the last, one of the last plays along with Tomjanovic. I just, Fedosa's form just pushed me off Tomjanovic. I, I looked at uh, plus 300, plus 310. I was like, honestly, my numbers end up putting her around that 25 to 27% mark. And the number, it's one of those things where the number looks good. You're like, wow, $4 on Tomjanovic, who's been much better of late on hard courts or serves going to keep her in it. That's a crazy price. And then you run your numbers. You're like, ah, 26 point something percent. Well, that seems about right for $4. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's about right. So I scratched that. Schmidt I scratched too, but like even without Ostapenko being um, in less than ideal shape, got to word these things carefully in 2022, but um, even with her not being in tennis shape, Ah, it, something scares me. I, I was I wanted to back Schmidlova, and then you watch her play. I'm like, oh my god! But there's something that pushed me off. I don't know what it is. It's nothing quantitative. It's nothing logical. So I totally agree with you. It's the right seven, side. Six, seven six Panko, lock it up. I'm just really that she becomes. Do you have games or just sets and money line? Uh, just what was sets and money line. Maybe I'll oh, go yeah. back and take some games. But I mean, you know, it's tough with Panko and games because there's a six one coming in or a six two yeah. somewhere, whether it be for Panko or against her. So. That's kind of what I was thinking there. I'm well, just rooting that she becomes the Lat- Latvian Lindsay Davenport here with, with this new uh, approach to tennis. You know what? She also... Um, Going this for is the a Kim match Kleister's where, body. They, yeah. <laughs> they both love to rip the ball, and they both are so erratic, commit a ton of errors. You love your set-unders with Penko, right? This might be a match for your set-unders. So, yeah, avoid the plus games because, like, that's just not a great <laughs> great idea with yeah, set-unders. But plus sets, if you can get a 6-2 for the first set, like, okay... Now you're free rolling the money line, right? So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. this could be a set unders and, and plus sets money line kind of match. 
And there was another bet that stuck out you for, uh, for you here, John. Jill Teichman, one of our favorites here on the show, goes against one of our former favorites, Petra Martich. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I'll just maybe take a step back and ask, are we, is Petra Martich, are we done? Is this it? Should we just kind of pack that up and, and maybe ship Did it out? Did she get married or something that we time. don't know about that, that just changed her approach to the I game? I think she just might be coaches. one of those players that there's a group of women kind of, and they're not, I hate to say that they're old. They're all in their 30s, but... All of a sudden, there's this wave of 18, 19, and 20-year-old super athletic young women that I think are coming in and pushing players like her out. I mean, as consistent as she can be, I just I don't think she has the speed, the power, the skill to overcome. I mean, just this wave of athletes we've had over the last three or five years. And I've been slowly working on a list of, of kind of players where it's like, I Hurt think I kind of have that. to throw out anything that happened two-plus years ago because it's, mm-hmm. it's a different WTA. Yep. Yeah, Hurt Sog's like that too. And, and I have pretty much given up on her. The last time I bet... Jill Teichman at minus game, she hit, I think, 30 or 44 stairs. And if you know Jill Teichman's game, it was like, that was the epitome of my 2021 season. Really? Jill Teichman? <laughs> 30 on four stairs? That, that seems wrong. Um, but I, I, I almost let that cloud my, <laughs> my judgment on this handicap and not play this. I can't get away from this, though. She's way too rock solid for Martin. She returns, serves well. Martage's only real weapon left is her serve. The slice isn't going to bother Teichman either. Teichman can can rip that forehand into the backhand slice. And if Martage is just going to keep slicing back cross court to that forehand, Teichman's going to work that angle. Bit, shot by shot, it's going to get more acute and pull her further off court and open up the other end. I mean, this is a bad matchup for her. And at minus four games, Snye's got this at minus three games. And I was like, man, at minus three games, I would have absolutely pummeled this. At minus four games, I'm still multiple units here. I still think that this is this is a 6-3, six, 6-3 three, six, three, uh, kind of match. I'd place this around five and a half. Again, service order could come into play uh, in the end in terms of the number of breaks and uh, which order they serve in. So I think five and a half is probably the right call. Is it a 6-4, six, 6-3? Six, is it a 6-3, six, 6-3? Three, six, three? What are the most likely in a wide range of potential outcomes? What are the most likely? Um, so if I'm getting four, I think I'm at a game and a half edge here in – a stratosphere where you know a half game gets worth is worth more and more as you get up into these numbers. So multiple units for me at minus four. I can dig it. All right, gentlemen. Anything else in the second yes. quarter? Yes, I have to ask John one question. How are you going to be feeling if we have a second round Yulia Putin Seva Alina Svitolina match? I mean, that's gonna be like Richard Williams watching his daughters play, right? <laughs> Who are you gonna root for? Putin Seva, I'm done with Alina. I've given up on her. Oh, okay. <laughs> She's done. She's cooked. We're gonna, we're gonna She's never the, winning a slam. Network, She's... Uh, we're gonna have to switch the net worth logo now. <laughs> All right. Now, you know, at some point, something incredible must have happened last year in Eastbourne, United Kingdom, because I don't know whether Annette Contivate found God, started doing Zen, or maybe just got <laughs> whacked on the head or something. Suddenly, all of a sudden, from the Eastbourne tournament, for a woman who had tons of power and no consistency, has snapped into this run of tennis where the balls are staying in between the lines. She's playing calm tennis. She's not giving up. All of a sudden, just an absolutely miraculous turnaround for Miss Contivate, who is our seed here at the top of this quarter. And I will say, though, gentlemen, are we a little worried that she completely biffed that semifinal to Krejcikova? Comes out, feeds her the donut, and then kind of get bullied a little bit those second two sets. What do you think, John? No, I'm not too well. I mean, I'm a little concerned after being six love up. But, I mean, it's Barbara Krejcikova who did it. It was a – in order to beat her, it it required a comeback from six love down. It required a little bit of a a rough patch from Contivate. And it required a long third set tie break from an elite player on the WTA Tour. If that's the way to beat her, fine. But, I mean, for me, she is another Joyzy bet here for you. She is plus money just to reach the fourth round. 
not the quarters, to reach the fourth round at Bet365. So that's an interesting bet for you to drive to New Jersey for. Um, uh, she so you're not, not worried think, about Towson or Kanye or Collins? That's, that's the only concern I might have had is Towson. I don't think she's consistent mm. enough. She's not in good enough shape in, for an Aussie summer to, to run with Annette. And I believe she retired in um, a match already this year. So, again, potential injury concerns lingering there. Kanye and Rogers, absolutely. I actually talked about this earlier on a, a completely separate uh, show, but that's I, I I was worried about that. But they play each other. So you're guaranteed. It's not like Kanye or Rogers, you know, she doesn't have to beat both of them in a row to get there. She can only ever have to play one of them. Um, so, and again, I'm not too, too concerned unless they're serving and hitting perfectly. Uh, Annette is serving and hitting really well now. And if only there were a couple people who believed in her hardcore prowess spread, I just, I wish there were some <laughs> of those people out there, but you know, she's just, she was never going to be any good on hard courts. Uh, I, I, is what I heard, but, um, she's been on absolute fire and look, even her losses know, have come, like <laughs> even her losses have come to the same players, right? Owens beat her twice last year, Cincinnati and Indian Wells, and then she Garvey hates beat that her. matchup. Yeah, well, I mean, she and wasn't she down to Ons before she won six four in the first beat when uh, Ons picked up that injury? They're best friends too, which is the best part of that. Yeah, um, and then she lost twice to Garby at the year end finals, once in round robin, once in the finals. Uh, that is her quarterfinal matchup, so that's why I don't necessarily want to get into her to win the quarter or an outright, but a plus money to just reach the fourth round. Uh, that's that's the, the interesting. We'll call that a New Jersey bet from now on on the show uh, because it's a derivative worth drive. Pretty much only, yeah, worth the drive and only available at like one or two books. So now to be clear, historically I said she stunk on hard courts. I didn't say she would never be good on hard courts. Okay, hold on. There are kids that. running with goalposts past my front window. <laughs> the goalposts are moving to, before my eyes. Back. I'm going to have to go back and clip some stuff on this one. But Contivate <laughs> I, 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 again, she has. She's been spectacular the last six months. Like I said before with Tormo, I mean, her and Tormo, I come on the show, and that was the easiest five minutes of the show for me, just sit and lay into them for a few minutes <laughs> at how bad they were on hardcore. So the fact that Tormo couldn't hit the ball hard enough or Contivate couldn't see the lines. But the two of them have been playing well. I am a little nervous about Contivate's Toronto. Like you said, Towson there in the second. We'll see. Collins, I wish Collins had played some stinking tennis. I mean, she went from kind of lighting the world on fire to being nowhere the last month or so. But I think that's a little tough draw. And the name that does stick out to me in that section, I think Contivate goes down to Rybakina. I think you go mm. and look at that kind of ah, walk over yes. that thigh injury. I don't think that was necessarily too bad. But Rybakina was my second outright. Another player at 20 to 1 or better is in good form, has done well down under before, I think has a perfect game for these courts. And I don't see anybody that's really going to bug her until Contivate her. And she's really in crazy good form part. too, right? Didn't she just yeah. fly through her, her uh, uh, warm-up tournament? That's, again, uh, the reason why I took her to reach the fourth round because I'm nervous about Rebecca, I'm whatever, Rybakina, Rebecca, however she says it. Nervous about Muguruza there. It's tough to take a Contivate outright at 15 to 1 when she's got power players just littering her draw. So uh, I did avoid that number. I do like the to reach fourth round where the Rabakana and Muguruza concerns aren't even an issue. Um, and of course the Collins matchup again, like you said, not a lot of tennis. She has had success here before and a big hitter. The qualifiers Dalla Hyde. Let's just laugh that one off. Um, Sharma beating Convate. Let's laugh that one off. Sinyakova. Let's laugh that one. off. Uh, no, let's not laugh that off. You can never laugh away Katarina. But listen, I, I pulled my best Noops impression at the end of last year and faded Contivate a bunch when I thought, like, okay, she's in form, but 1.1, <laughs> like minus 1,000 is ridiculous. 
just absolutely robbed me of a lot of money at the end of last year. I lost some money last year. A lot of it was at the end trying to fade freaking in that contribution. <laughs> Spread, what do you think of this quarter here? I mean, we have we talked about the top half quite a bit. Simona Halep is down on the bottom with Muguruza. Halep kind of started to play a little bit better tennis, but, I mean, do we think her back can hold up? Do we think her calf and Achilles can kind of hold up? Or is it Muguruza's time? You know, someone that's been floating around as third, fourth favorite for every tournament in the WTA for about a year and a half now. Yeah, I, the, the whole bottom half of the draw, I, I call it the coaching matter segment because uh, Tursunov leaves Sabalenka, goes to Contavite, and it just feels like, <laughs> right, we see the shift. Now, Sabalenka had some good performances, but you have to wonder, how did Contavite get better? It, it was mental. She always had it there. Uh, the consistency, uh, her approach to the matches, it's improved so much. Where Sabalenka, I feel, you know, she's still so good. She's going to win so many matches. Uh, but it seems like, for me, it's going to be a little harder uh, to see her continue to do well. And I wonder how much of it is the loss of the coach. And I, you know what, I'll tell you what, so I really like Contavide in this tournament. I, I mean, I can see her being a finalist. I guess I'm not as worried about these early round matches as much as you, like uh, Tossin does have the injuries. Uh, if it's uh, Collins, Kanju, or, or Rogers, right, we'll throw Dahlheide out. I think I really like the way that she matches up against all of them, especially with Collins not being in the form. We know Collins loves the heat down there and loves to get it going, but I just don't see her being there. Uh, Mertens has been interesting. She hasn't really been playing that well this year, but I think she'll get, you know, she'll do what she does, uh, beat all the, the bad players, and then probably fall to, to Rybikina. Rybikina does, is going to pre present an interesting challenge. Um, so, so, of course, I can't just say, oh, she's going to get that, but I do favor her there. And then on the bottom, right, I think Simona Howling, and Garbine, yeah. we, can, we can go ahead and, and just handicap that match. I think that they both have – pretty nice draws. I mean, maybe you get like a, a Sloan Stevens red line and she can take out uh, Simona, but I don't really see that happening. Um, you know, Cornet, Watson, Z Zidanezic, I mean, maybe, but I think that Garbine gets there. there. Um, so if it is there, I think it would be lined pretty evenly. Who, who would you guys favor? If I like Contabite to come out of the quarter, but who do you think she would be facing there if she's going to face uh, Halep or, or Garbine? Who would you favor in that match? Man, uh, yeah, but but I, I wouldn't say it's like a 70 30 situation, it, it, it'd be a close. I think it'll be lined close. Garby minus 150, Garby 1.6. Really? Okay, I'll be betting Halep if that's the case. I was gonna say about 60. I thought it'd be closer 55, 45, 6 to Take 60, a look 40. at the outright markets. Halep has really fallen back, she's like 40, 50 to one some spots. I mean. Uh, again, if she plays herself into form, no. that could change a little bit. But the market price on Halep has really been dropping. And Muguruza is one of the most bet on players on tour. So I think that I would probably make it a little bit closer than that. But I would expect to see somewhere in the range of Muguruza minus 140 to minus 150. Or again, like 1.73 to 1.67, kind of somewhere in that range. I guess when it comes to lane, and I hate doing it with these inconsistent players like Garbine. Right. This, this just feels like... A lot like the first quarter where it's top heavy it's not they're not all kind of condensed into one section of it but the the top players are head and shoulders above the next tier right, right? like contivate muguruza halop and you know rabikina we know are like the top four in this quarter by a wide margin collins might have success because she's had it before she likes the heat situationally Mertens, i mean she's the next fidelina she just kept, she's very very good struggles against the top power players where you have um Rabakinukin or Rabakina who can hit through her contravate can hit through her uh so can um Garbinia Muguruza so like I think she's in that second tier with Collins 
um, not too close. Like there's four contenders for me to win this, which is odd to say on the WTA side where it can be so open sometimes. Uh, but yeah, this is it's such a top heavy quarter for me. Yeah. Um, you know, again, from an outright perspective, I like Rybakina here, 20 to 1 or better. I did play some Muga Roots as well as Rybakina to win the quarter. If you look around, you can get both of them at plus 400. Um, mm. I think that one of the two of them definitely is going to be in the quarterfinals, if not winning. So happy to grab that. Looking at some single matches here. The one single match that stood out to me the most in this quarter, I'm excited to see Sloane Stevens play Emma uh, Raducanu. Sloane Stevens mm. has played tennis this year, but looked kind of renewed at, at the end of the year last year. Coming off a wedding, curious to see what she can do on some courts. So she's had a little bit of success before. And then Emma Raducanu, we talked about her before the show, the darling of the tennis offseason. But as you start to look at some of the pricing, um, she was an underdog in his single matches to women that were behind her <laughs> in the outright market. Markets for like the Australian Open. So things are kind of really weird there. Looks like this match was right around a pick of one. I bet I'm going to double check and see what the price is now. But I think this is a nice spot for Rado Cotter. And I can't believe that I find myself backing her. I figured I'd kind of go all year going against her. But I mean, do you guys see value in the, on the, in the young Brit here somehow? I mean, look at her wins after post US Open last year. She had, I think, a grand total of two of them. And one of them was against Polona Herzog, who again, had one of the worst seasons uh, out there on the WTA tour. She was, she won one game against Rubakana. She celebrated winning her game. So just to celebrate, not getting double bag. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's where she was at in, in her first match this year. She lost to Sastovich badly um, at Indian Wells. She won two matches at a tiny event in Romania where the crowd was on her side, right? Cause she's got that Romanian heritage. Needed three to beat Polona Herzog and beat Anna Bogdan before getting creamed by Marta Kostruk. Then loses in three sets to Wong Jinyu in Linz. Starts for 2022 by winning one game out of 13. Ugh, nah, I'm just not there. I mean, it's I I kind of want to back Sloan, but at the same time, I don't. So that's a nice way to say I'm passing on the match. You know, like that works for me. I'm betting Sloan. Let's uh, and let's get crazy, right? Usually. Usually we, we try and say, hey, we're only betting an edge, right? I'm going to have some fun with this one. I know. <laughs> if you if you tell me there's no value in that, I'll say, Don't I get, agree. We should do a right? vlog about it. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> Great idea. No, I just – I really like the way that uh, the Sloan finished the year. I'll be interested to see if, if the wedding and uh, having all that fun uh, messes her up. But I'm fine to just keep fading Emma until the market reacts. And it goes back to almost John talking about not fading form. Boy, these players can just catch fire, right? And just, you know, be on top of the world and then just come right back down. I wonder if that's the case with Emma. And I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe I'll lose a bunch of money again because I picked against Emma during the U.S. Open the whole way. Yeah. I, even had, I even had little Layla in the final. Same. And she just kept, you know, giving it to me. I said, man, maybe I'm not seeing something. And then as soon as the Open ended, it went back to the player that I was handicapping that whole time and kind of how I rated her. And I think that she can be good. I still think that she's young and she just has a lot of development to do. Uh, Sloan, of course, also has that red line potential where, um, when she's at her at her top, right, she, she could beat anybody. So uh, I'm going to take Sloan there, and, and you can tell me that there's no value, and I'll agree. <laughs> just like Cinderella, the stagecoach goes back to the pumpkin just like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, John, there was a match that you liked here, and this is one of the reasons I always like talking with John. He bets on all sorts of players I've never even heard of. Um, you like Jang Soo Jiang over uh, Daka Kovinic. Now, I know who Kovinic is, but the uh, <laughs> Korean, that's a new one for me. Yeah, look, she was a career-high top 120, but on quicker, the Asian and Australian quick courts is where she kind of would, you know, make her hay early in the seasons or, or at 
high-level ITF events. She likes the cricket courts. Problem is, a lot a lot of the time with – we saw this with a lot of the Japanese players, whether it be Misaki Doi or now Habino last year or uh, Sujong Jang or any of these players um, that – remember, they came back so many months after the tour came back. So everyone was back up to speed. And these players in countries where they're they're leaving, you know, getting out of the country, getting into the country was much tougher. We saw a lot of Australians too, right? They had to make the choice if they wanted to play last year to not come home the entire year because of the uh, quarantine requirements. So, you know, when you get these players starting up later and then trying to jump into the tour, you see now Habino went one and nine on hard courts last year. Well, she's been, a, she's been priced as if she was that player uh, a couple times this year. I've managed to cash her as an underdog a couple times and she was up a set and break in the last match I had her on before she lost. The market hasn't caught up to the fact that that was a situational event where they were still getting their legs under them while the rest of the tour had already been playing. This is the same situation. Sujong Jang is, is a quality hardcore player on quick hardcourts. Donka Kovinic is a clay court player. Jang is, uh, has more matches under her belt and has come through qualies. She beat uh, Rebecca Masarova, who I am high on, on hard courts as a hefty underdog two and three. She didn't lose a single game in her second round of qualifying match to Aussie Taylor Preston. And she beat Iranian straight sets. I mean, her Katie Volanitz match in the first match of the year wasn't great. But underdog wins in straights. She's about a $1.60 favorite, doesn't lose a single game. And then she's a $2.50 underdog, wins two and three. It's clear to me that she's found her legs. She's found that game on the quicker courts where she's comfortable. And markets just have not caught up. And so I do think this should be uh, in the dollar sixty dollar seventy range um, in terms of probabilities. And we're, I got it a dollar ninety seven. I don't know where it is now, but if it's a pick'em, it's still the incorrect price. She should be a relative, not sizable favorite, but she should be a decisive, if you will, favorite. All right, gentlemen, let's jump into the fourth and final quarter. And you know what? I'm just going to rip the bandaid off. What the hell is going on with Arena Sabalenka? Whether it's her body or her brain, something is hurt. Something is wrong. If you haven't seen already, go back and look at the match against Peterson. She's hitting underhand second serves. She's moving around. There was no knee bend. She is kind of an emotional player, but was even more emotional than I've ever seen her. I've never seen her kind of break down like that on court. And she is the two seed sitting down here at this tournament, surrounded by women that I think can kind of knock her off. But the real benefactor, again, kind of like the men's side, instead of Medvedev here, Iga Swiatek, the young pole, sits there at the top, nice and pretty, devoid of, I think, really anybody that's going to challenge her, assuming Sabalenka gets knocked out until the semifinals. I mean, what do you think, John? Uh, I mean, to boot, I think there was also someone watching that match that was live tweeting a Sabalenka match that uh, had the volume on. You know, WTTV kindly has the volume on. You can hear the conversations between coaches when they were allowed to come on court. The umpire apparently asked her if she was okay. Like the umpire was so concerned for her serving <laughs> that she was wondering if she was trying to play through an injury and if she should like take the executive decision to bring the trainer onto court. That's how bad the serving has been. And something is like, no, I'm fine. It's all a technical issue. Like that's how poor it's been. Like you've got chair up being like, is she hurt and try to cover it up? Should I call a trainer out? Um, and then of course, like throw in the fact that she doesn't have an easy draw storm Sanders, uh, has wins in the past as a hefty underdog, likes quicker courts down under than Wang Jinyu or Ann Lee. Both tough matches, good young players that can serve, that can hit, that can move Sabalenka around. Um, and you don't want to be giving free points to on, on your serve. Like, that's tough. And then Marketa Vondrosova, who looked okay to start the year. And, of course, who can grind out longer points against Sabalenka. Just not a fun road for Sabalenka. Even if she does find some form, it's still a tough section for her. 
Um, so yeah, I'd agree that Iga is, is by far the favorite here. Uh, I've, I've jumped off the Svitolina fan wagon and jumped onto the Dasha fan wagon with spread. I love the way she's added to You're going to get a kitty. She's, <laughs> she's not a pure pusher anymore. Um, you know, and, and I think that even off court, she's a lot of fun on social media. Like she's, a, she's a really likable person. So I'll be rooting for her, but I don't think that that's necessarily the matchup for her to beat Iga. I, I think she needs a little bit more to her game to get through that. So I do think if there's ever a place for Iga to finally come through on quicker or on hard courts in general, this has got to be it. Now, speaking of players that make us kind of sad, given how long it's been since they've done something good, Petra Kvitova spread. She's sitting here. She's 50 to one. I can't remember the last time she was 50 to one to do anything, but oh, how could we have any faith in her? I mean, it's just a chunky little fourth quarter. Do you have any thoughts on her or the quarter in general? Yeah, actually, I got a ton of thoughts on this quarter. Let me start with uh, with John adopting Dasha, and I think that's great because it's going to be the same issue. She just can't she can't win against the big hitters, right? She looks so good, and then she goes against Anna Samova, and yeah, didn't I didn't really even think she played that bad, but it was just like, what is she going to do, right? Um, so, so that'll be interesting. Uh, Alex, we had talked before, and you had said that you were going to take an Ega out, right? And I said, oh, I don't know. I think she's a little overvalued on hard courts. Well, well, let me just jump on the bandwagon, right? Because she got the draw. Come on, there's well, room. I'm ready to join you. You know, I thought just there's not a lot here that's really going to trouble her. I think maybe Dasha can give her some problems, but I really think she could dial it up and beat Dasha there. Kvitova is one that we've never, we never like her when the temperature gets higher, right? And this is just mm-hmm. a tough situation. And I hate to say it because, you know, I'm such a big fan of her, her game and just her personality in general. But, you know, John talked earlier about these players that are getting older, now going up against these 18 and 19-year-olds. How is Alex? Think, but yeah. Yeah, even some of these – yeah, Alex, excuse me. Uh, some of these matches, even if she's able to win, I don't know how easily she's going to be able to win them. And I think that fatigue could be an issue for her. And then, boy, at the bottom of this draw, if there's any way for, for Sabalenka to get back on track, it would be this one. Now, I'm interested to see how you guys are handicapping two players, well, maybe three in the bottom. Um, Kerber always does well on quick hard court, so I don't think we can discount her. But I don't know. I haven't seen much of her lately. Uh, Layla's always interesting because, obviously, her U.S. Open run. Uh, I'd be interested to see how you guys think do here, down here. And, and Vondrasova. Um, if Sabalenka makes it there, could definitely give her um, some interesting. Uh, that'd be a great matchup. I really would love to see them going, uh, you know, uh, with their ground strokes battles. Uh, is this a good draw for Vondrasova as well? Maybe catching, you know, a Sabalenka that, that we can say is out of form. Uh, yeah, I think you can definitely say that. Uh, Priscilla Hahn shouldn't give her any trouble. I love Samsonova, but. Samsonova really hasn't played great tennis in a little while. She struggled against some of these better players. I don't know if Andrasova is that better player, but I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Marquette in the quarterfinals. How about you, John? Yeah, me neither. Um, I think she made, didn't she make the fourth round here out of the last year, the year before when she yeah, was I think so. completely out of form. And then she was just absolutely schooled by uh, Shea Su Wei. Mm-hmm. But um, she did make, I think, the fourth round when she wasn't even looking that great here. So, Again, someone whose serve may play up a bit, um, and the draw isn't terrible for her. So I think she could make a, a decent run. I'm not going to be looking at her to make you know a finals run like she did at the 2019 French or um, you know a major run. I I've taken her from up and coming, very good young player to she wins a lot of 250s or high level ITFs on indoors and clay and just you know when it comes to beating the best of the best, she just can't do it three or four matches in a row. How are you in Canada approaching Layla? 
how, how are you capping her going into this? I have as much hope for her as I do Shapovalov and Nojial Yassim. So, okay. um, so not very well. Well, I'd probably hire on you than, than Layla then, but uh, that'll yeah. be interesting. And then Kerber was the last one I wanted to discuss real quick, just because it seems so unknown. I mean, did I miss it? Did she play any run-ups to this? Uh, don't think my computer with my tennis explorer on it died, and I don't want to be using this computer. Most of these did not, especially on the Kerber women's has, side. Kerber hasn't played. Play. Okay, that, that Kerber hasn't played competitive tennis since uh, the BJ Cup, BJK Cup in November. Yeah, I, there's a lot of question marks here. Kvitova, Kerber, Pavlyuchenkova, I believe, is Pavs in this quarter as well. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot of interesting names here that you're just, it's wait and see Sabalenka, obviously after her horrid start, a lot of names with power that could use these courts to their advantage that have a whole lot of question marks, um, surrounding their, their chances at making deep runs. That's why I like Iga plus 275 to win the quarter plus 600 to reach the final 12 to one or better to win the whole stinking thing. And I agree with you guys. I did not expect to be betting on Shriantek to win a hard court grand slam, especially at such low numbers. The quicker but, one. I think it should be better at the yeah. US Open, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, but the draw giveth and the draw taketh away. I mean, you look at this path, I think she's like an overwhelming favorite pretty much until the semifinals, maybe even the finals, depending on who comes out of that third quarter. I mean, if it's Rybakina who wins the third quarter, Shriantek will be a solid favorite over her. I mean, it'll be closer than a lot of people, but it'll still be Iga by quite a bit. So. I like her there. Um, as we start to look at some single matches, you mentioned Pavla Yuchenkova, another player that hasn't played since November in the BJK Cup. I've got Anna Bondar to beat her. I forget, it's plus some huge number. I've got Bondar to win the first set at another huge number. I think it was like plus 350 to win the match, around like plus 280 to win the first set. Uh, Pavla Yuchenkova hasn't had a ton of success down under, generally doesn't start the season too well. And Bondar, who had generally been a clay player for me, has been playing better and better on hard courts. She was somebody that stuck out to me. What do you think of that bet, John? I have Pavlyuchenko in my first round long shot parlay um, just because <clears throat> I, I'm not convinced Bondar on hard, a lot of that hard court success. I just, it was not at the top, top levels. Um, yeah. I still consider her more of a clay player. Pavlyuchenko should be able to hit through her. Um, if she can play a relatively clean match. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I think at $1.40, I'd be with Pavlyuchenko here. I think she should be down around $1.30. So uh, I got her, uh, yeah, I got her about $1.40 too. If, if, if that number has since deflated uh, or gotten more expensive and Bondar has risen in price and that's when you jumped on it, it could be that too. It could be Bondar took money and I came in later. But I got about $1.40 in the parlay uh, on Pavlyuchenko and I like that spot. Yeah. Looking through here at some other matches. Now, John, um, you were looking at a total. I, lo I love that you picked up totals a little bit over the last year. It makes <laughs> me so proud. I don't. Samson Nova playing Bectus again. Not really sure whoever Bectus is. And I know that I haven't said the nicest things about Samson Nova, but what are you going with here? I think it was under, what, 19 and a half, something like that? Yeah. I or mean, too high. good Lord. Amina Bektas has nothing to her game. How on earth? She's like six or seven and one now. Keep in mind, her her ITF event was terrible, like the field. Uh, and her qualifying campaign wasn't the greatest. How on earth Christina McHale lost that match? And I should have known. I bet on McHale in her first round of qualifying. I bet on her in a second round of qualifying. I got away with both. And then I was the idiot that bet her again in the third. Number one rule. You cannot trust Christina McHale three matches in a row with your money. What's wrong with me? Uh, but again, Amina Beck has nothing to her game. Go watch. There's a couple of YouTube uh, ITF matches she played. I mean, it is it is it is embarrassingly bad. Like she is not good at tennis. 
Um, but again, you come through an ITF, you come through women's qualies at slams, which again are, are ITF level, which is supposed, it's supposed to be the equivalent of the challenger level. But I mean, the men's, the men's slam qualies are just such a higher level to me relative to the main draw than the women's are to their main draw. Um, so I don't put as much weight into that coming through, um, unless you're playing it against, you know, an informed player like Haley Baptiste was, but look, Samsonova is just going to hit right through her. This should be. At worst, a 6-3, 6-3 total. I mean, I have this line at 17 and a half, and I'd give uh, people a nice price on the under to risk, like, a, to, to, to bet on a 6-3, 6-2 type situation. Uh, or 6-3, 6... I'm trying to figure out what would make 17 here. Um, like 6-4, 6-1, that kind of thing. <laughs> but I would have it around 18 is where my my true number would be. And so I'd probably pick 18 and a half with a juiced under or 17 and a half with a plus money under. To get 19 and a half at standard juice, I mean, 6'4", six, 6'3", six, against Amina Bektas. I, uh, unless they know something I don't know where Samson is just going to be spraying and lose a set, um, then I, I just can't see how this happens. I could, I, I just know I'm, I'm waiting for the 6'2", 6'7", 6'1", to come in and the minus five and a half to hit and the under to be blown to smithereens. But... Um, I think there's a huge edge here on the under as opposed to the five and a half games if he gets done in straight sets. I like that quite a bit. It's um, it's a, just a better angle to play sometimes. Again, I, I think Samsonova, hopefully we'll, we'll kind of get herself back in some form here. That'll be good. And then the other play you liked, again, I, this is one I'll definitely be stealing. I was waiting for this line to come out. I love qualifiers this time of year, especially against some players who've been playing cold. But even better, we get to take a qualifier and go against someone who still has a big name for some reason. How are we going to fail with Caro? This weekend, John. <laughs> uh, <laughs> holy cow. I mean, you watch Haley Batiste play. She's got a big game. I think she's a bit more fit than she was last year. 20 years old. Certainly one of the better young American players on that's going to be coming on to tour. And then she played a great qualifying campaign. I'm like, oh, man, I'm looking for her. Like, I'm like, ah, oh, somewhere in the plus 150, 2.5 to 2.7 range. I have her probably to win this around the 40% mark. So like 2.7, 2.75 will be a unit. Man, Bet365 dropped a 3.00 or a plus 200. I was like, geez, that is a lot of trust in one Carolyn Garcia against like spread out there because spread, of course, is like Venus or Serena Williams, right? So, I mean, <laughs> if she was playing spread, maybe plus 200 on spread. But playing a professional tennis player who came through qualifying, has looked good in form, has a, has a good game and is an up-and-comer, a little too much. I actually went a unit and a half here on a plus 200. So either some nice rewards incoming or um, some some decent money lost on a, on a big underdog. It's going to be one or the other in this spot with Haley Batiste for me. I can dig it. All right, gentlemen, I think that was everything. Anything, any other thoughts on the fourth quarter here? No, I'm pretty, I'm just pretty excited for it. And boy, uh, I mean, like I said, I was not thinking that Ego was going to end up being a good pick, but boy, uh, doesn't she her just get so much more attractive once you saw the draw? Mm-hmm. I love it. All right, everybody. Go you ahead, know John. what? Before uh, before we get to the sign off and spread sign off, uh, enjoy the sports weekend. For those of us in North America, it's the renamed Super Wild Card Weekend. Now I know yeah. I don't know if Alex is an Eagles fan, but he lives in Philly, so the rest of the city's going nuts. Uh, we got uh, three are. days of NFL football, fa- of NFL playoffs. We've got the Australian Open with 128 matches between Sunday and Monday night. Enjoy the next couple of days. Have some beverages. Just have fun. I love it, folks. That's all we got. About well, let's give, do you want to give out the official outrights? 
Oh, that's true. We'll try to go back through here. Um, well, it's just due to win the tournament. People, people yeah, just to win the, the tournament. Thing, but I, I'd say I my, to win the tournament. You don't have any. No. Yeah, John didn't have okay. any. I had I had Iga, um, Krejcikova, as well as Rybakina. How about you, Spread? Did you have any women's outrights besides uh, Madison? Yeah. Madison so Keys? for overall, because I don't think I gave them out on the first part. So on the men's side, I, I went with Zverev at plus 330. And I can t- you guys can talk to me maybe about this. My idea there was I could hedge. Uh, if he makes it to the final, because um, I'm in a plus 330, right? I, I mean, we do like Med's path better. It just seems like it's going to be a hard hedge situation there. So uh, I took Zverev on the men's side. On the women, um, you know, it's Naomi's kind of creeping up here at Bookmaker. Plus 725. <laughs> I might end up having that wow. buy it by, by, the, by the time we t- – uh, what's the word? We tip off in the NBA. How do we start a tournament in tennis? First ball. My By the time ball. the first ball is in play, oh, I might have some Naomi. Um, but right now, I have Bedosa at twelve to one and Annette at, at fifteen to one. I'm continuing the net worth uh, of going for the long shots. We're not going to take uh, the favorites on the women's side. But boy, as that Naomi price keeps getting higher, and of course, it's because of the draw. Though uh, seems pretty uh, attractive because now it's getting into that range where you know I can stomach it. You know, seven to one, uh, not too bad. You know. Uh, for players had so much success here. So those are the three outrights that I'm riding right now. So I will say I did have Zverev on the men's side. I was just thinking women's side. I have none uh, okay. on the outright market, but I do have Zverev as well. Plus 330 at Bookmaker. Yeah, I can dig it. All right, everybody. That's it. Again, 90 plus minutes. We got it all covered. We'll be back for tournaments throughout the year. If you want to catch all of our content, make sure you follow us, each of us on Twitter, spread at spread a stare. John finally got the whole word tweets in there. It's now JR tweets tennis. I'm glad I double checked and it wasn't your old handle. And of course, <laughs> myself at underscore noobs. Have a great fortnight, everybody. Tennis, it's happening. It's back. Good luck in all your wagers.